When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor, whose writings on the industry you can regularly read over at The Wrap, and whose musings on the Mission Impossible movies you can listen to on the Light Diffuse podcast, he and I are recording this week's show on Sunday, April 23rd, 2023, and... So you are, in fact, headed to Vegas this week, right, for, for CinemaCon at Caesars? Uh, I am. I am indeed. I mean, uh, currently at, okay. at 11.06 a.m. Mm. on Sunday, April 23rd. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but CinemaCon actually started today, right? It's an international day, and the, the official opening is tomorrow, right? Uh, right. The 24th. Right. And that's when Sony does its presentation. So in theory, there'd be some footage of uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse presented there. Then on the 25th, that's Warner Brothers Day. And they're going to be showing The Flash, as I understand it. I'm, I was yes. just kind of intrigued to see if they were going to be showing anything from Coyote versus Acme. Then on April 26th, that's the Disney 20th Century Day. And I think that... We'd love to see what they'd, they'd be showing there for Elemental. Likewise, Disney Wish, which is still on track for a November 22nd opening. But did you see what they're screening there? The Stephen King thing? The Boogeyman? Oh, yes. I did see that. Yeah, I mean, that that seems like, a, you know, that mm-hmm. that's kind of their barbarian this year. So mm-hmm. that's sort of, I understand that. Oh, no, 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 totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that, that's always crucial to understand about CinemaCon is that this is for the exhibitors. These are the guys who actually sell the popcorn and the soda. And for Disney to showcase this 20th century release, a horror film, which if anything's going to move soda and popcorn, that's going to do it for sure. That same day, though, Universal Pictures does its presentation. I was really hoping they'd, they'd be talking up Ruby Gilman teenage kraken at that i gotta tell you drew i'm getting more and more concerned about this coming out on june 30th it's going head to head with indiana jones and the dial of destiny as well as sony picture animations herald and the purple crayon i don't like that elemental will have only come out two weeks earlier. And we're hoping that Peter Song film is a, is a big hit. In fact, that's going to debut it at Cannes this year, right? Elemental is, yes. Yeah. Yeah, out of yeah. competition. And you were pointing out this is, in a weird sort of way, I, I don't want to say make good, but, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm think about it. Wasn't Soul originally back in 2020 supposed to debut at Cannes? Yeah, that was the that was the rumor. I mean, they've had a long history of of stuff debuting again. Uh, mm-hmm. Up debuted there, I think, in two thousand nine. So mm-hmm. there is a there is a precedent, and obviously, Trek debuted again, I think, and a, mm-hmm. and some yep. other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
But the thing, of course, in 2020, the pandemic screwed up everything. In fact, the physical con festival got canceled in May of that same year. So Seoul wound up eventually debuting at the BFI, uh, the London Film Fest, in October. And then finally went wide on Disney Plus December 5th. Now, is this news you're breaking about Ruby Gilman at, at Ennesy or... Uh uh, no, no, that's been out. Uh, there is okay. there is some Netflix news that we can talk about that'll be okay. breaking on Monday, even though we were mm-hmm. recording on Sunday. But I got there we go. Up. All right, yeah. okay, we we'll do that later in the show. But yeah, Annecy this year is uh, June 11th through the 17th, and you also mentioned that DreamWorks is supposed to be announcing some other projects there at, at Annecy. But again, back to to Ruby Gilman who. I really want this Kirk D'Amico film to catch a break. I love the look of it, and it it looks like a lot of fun. And I think it's really clever to put this in theaters just five weeks after Disney's live-action version of The Little Mermaid, because isn't basically the villain of of Ruby Gilman supposed to be a riff on Ariel? I don't know if it's supposed to be a riff on Ariel, but she's definitely a mermaid, so Mm -hmm. that should be fun for sure. Okay. A red-headed mermaid. A red-headed mermaid. Jim, I don't know why you're drawing these conclusions here. I don't know. where. You... Okay. All right. Well, anyway, uh, uh, back to CinemaCon now. April 27th, finally, we have Paramount Day, and that's the day that you and Charles are actually going to be there, right? Now, are you, you you're driving out on the 26th? You're flying in? What's the plan? We're, we're driving out, although now you're making me nervous. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Because... I maybe should take a flight because I think I, I mean, it's, it's like an hour long flight from Burbank to Las Vegas. So, well, okay. The reason Drew is nervous because that <laughs> April 27th, that very same day, you're supposed to be at the LCAP of that evening, right? For the, the world premiere of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, right? Correct. Yes. That'll be a tight, tight squeeze. Even so, no, no matter whether you drive or you fly out there, I'm hoping you get score all sorts of great new news about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Do we know if Mr. McQuarrie is going to be there? We do. I cannot share this information. but Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure okay. he will be there. If he's not there physically, he will be there in spirit uh, okay. with a video okay. or something, I'm sure. But. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, folks, you're definitely want, going to want to check out the next Light Diffuse after <laughs> Drew and Charles frantically go to Las <laughs> Vegas and come back. But okay, Correct. we have a lot of news to cover on this week's show. And, and speaking of news, the news portion of this week's fine tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Mill Media Podcast Network for a worry-free travel experience every time. Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, uh, before we plunge into the news, wanted to follow up on some stuff we talked about previous edition. So you've been watching the numbers for Super Mario Brothers, right? You know, the number one at the box office, third weekend in a row. Stateside, it blew by $400 million just yesterday, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, this thing is, you say mm-hmm. watching the numbers, they're, they're only going up, Jim, these numbers. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, well, again, overseas, I want to say it's sitting just shy of uh, $450 million. and so some point in the coming week, it's going to blow by $900 million worldwide. And uh, it's already the top-grossing film uh, worldwide for all of 2023, and I know it's the middle of April, but and there's other movies coming, but it's bested Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumania's worldwide box office 
by nearly $300 million. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't go wide in theaters for 10 days yet. So it's got to be number one at the box office next weekend. And it'll be a, at a billion within a week to 10 days. Right? Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll cross a billion before Guardians mm. even shows up. Um, okay. And as we saw, okay. Guardians looks like it's tracking a little soft. So we will see. Yeah. Universal is going to be in front of the exhibitors later this week. You think we'll officially get a Mario Brothers sequel announced at, at that point? I think that's a good bet. I think mm. that, you know, that's... CinemaCon is where they announced the sequel to Matt Reeves' Batman last year, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's a good kind of opening salvo. I think that... I think it's probably well underway, the sequel, uh, right now, okay. because they okay. are trying to get this out as quickly as possible. And I would not be surprised if they announced a more formal agreement between Universal and Nintendo for various other properties. Jim. Interesting. Yes. Okay, now... At the very least, the guy behind this film is going to get recognized this week in Vegas. Chris Melodandri? Am I getting right? Melodandri, yes, yes. Chris Melodandri is going to receive this year's CinemaCon Award for Excellence in Animation. In fact, if you miss your flight or the car breaks down, you can go to this, Drew. It's, <laughs> it's the evening of Thursday, April 27th at the Coliseum in Caesars. Because you won't have breathed in enough secondhand smoke at that point. You know... Right? We need to be rewarding the guy responsible for Minions, The Rise of Gru, for animated excellence. Jim, I think that is really what she, we, what we should be doing, you know. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, what Chris has done in the anima- feature animation space has definitely changed the industry. There's a lot of people who are looking toward that model. But again, we'll, we'll get into more of that on second half of today's show. And, and speaking of today... As Drew just mentioned, we're recording this on Sunday, April 23rd, but the podcast itself will be available for downloading on Tuesday, April 25th, which means we are allowed to talk about news that will actually either break or come out of embargo on the 24th, right? Yes, correct. Okay, and that news is that the animated version of N.D. Stevenson's Nimona which uh, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows started off life as a Blue Sky Studios production and eventually was resurrected as a Netflix release. But that's going to be... Is it premiering or is it showcasing? I don't know if it's premiering. I think think the word is showcasing. There will be a screening of it at Annecy this year. Okay, But there's also... A couple of other projects that or animated stuff that Netflix has in the works that's also going to get talked up at Annecy this year. Yeah, they're they're going to talk about Lou, which is the new uh, Adam Sandler movie, as well as a a project, two sort of anime-ish projects. One is the Monkey King, and the other one is a project called Blue Eye Samurai, which is kind of a kind of East meets West anime uh, series, and those will both be at Annecy as well. Um, And additionally, they will be talking about future Netflix animated features. So I would be very interested to see if they talk about, you know, there's rumors that Guillermo has another animated movie uh, in the works at DreamWorks. So, yeah. I'd love that. But by the way, Blue-Eyed Samurai, that's a great title. It is. But we've kind of buried the lead here because... You've already seen Nimona, right? I have. I, it feels like a movie that we never would have seen, mm-hmm. given what we have talked about Nimona over the past few years. But it is, uh, I don't know how much I can say about it, but it is wonderful. 
Mm-hmm. I will say okay. that it is unique okay. uh, in terms of the visual style. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean Egg mm-hmm. did the animation, and the storyline is really special, and I think it's just mm-hmm. going to really connect with a lot of people. It's very daring in some ways. I did not read the graphic novel, Jim, so you will have it's to... Wonderful. After it's you see it, tell me the differences. Okay. But again, directed by Nick Bruno uh, and Troy Quain, is that is that yes, correct? Yes, correct. Okay, but what you saw was there any particular scene that leaped out at you? I mean, there's some, oh. some amazing action set pieces. In the, yes, in the, yes. The I mean, novel. if you don't know about Nimona, the character mm-hmm. herself mm-hmm. is kind of a genie Maui kind of mm-hmm. shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there is a sequence, a chase sequence in the kind of royal hall where she's mm-hmm. transforming into a bunch of things that is absolutely wonderful. I think that the, you know, it's set in kind of a futuristic medieval mm-hmm. society and it is really, really great. Yeah. And all the all the Blue Sky artists were given uh, a credit in the final credits. I don't know how much oh. of the Blue Sky material actually made it in. That's great. Yeah. Because Patrick Osborne was obviously the the director at Blue Sky. He mm-hmm. did not return for this version. But, um, yeah, I mean, just to, just to see it, Jim, is just mm-hmm. uh, amazing. And that it is so good is really the, the cherry on top. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm sorry, folks. We're, we're about to enter the I hate you now portion <laughs> of the show. Because Drew lives in L.A. and gets to do cool things. I, I live in the woods and, and scrape turkey poop off of my desk. <laughs> and given that we've just talked about something that's going to debut on a streaming service, gives us uh, an excuse to toggle over to the television side of news. And you wanted to talk about the new Venture Brothers movie for Adult Swim, uh, Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon Heart. I mean, it's, it's a great title, but it's no blue-eyed samurai. No, no, that is a great title, yeah. <laughs> that is great. Okay. But what did we think of uh, it? Because it's been a while since we've been back with Team Venture. So what do we think of this? Yeah, I mean, it's been five years. And I Mm -hmm. was shocked that the movie is just going to pick up right where the show ended. (laughs) um, Because it's them them looking for Dean, right? Dean was the one that was missing. Yeah, so presumed dead. But they Mm -hmm. they happen upon him in a a city. And, Mm -hmm. of course, right as they're about to turn over the body, the clip ends, leaving us in suspense. But... I, I know it's been five years, but I'm I'm still there. I still want to see what happens, and I will. But I, out ahead of this, I will pull out my uh, my giant copy of Ken Plume's The Art of the Venture Brother Go Team Venture, just to sort of get back up to speed. Uh, speaking of other uh, aspects of Adult Swim. As part of the Max press conference, they revealed there's a Rick and Morty anime series in the works. Yeah, we didn't talk about this last week, but I think they finally released the image that they showed during the press Mm -hmm. conference. Mm -hmm. We don't know really anything about who's doing the animation or where it's coming from or anything. But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's coming. It's very interesting to see that seeing them, you know, kind of proceed with Rick and Morty uh, Mm -hmm. shenanigans, given the kind of tumultuous nature of the it, past few months but you know it, it is an interesting time to be sort of walking this out but at the same time it just 
sometimes the, the, the how you heal the wounds is what wound? <laughs> you know, so right, exactly. Keep going. Keep going. You know, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, on, on the other hand, something else that, and again, we're, we, I just want to remind you folks, we're in the I Hate Drew portion of the show. The Unicorn Warriors Eternal, the, the new project coming from, from Kennedy. And you've already seen five episodes? I've seen half of it, yes. And I will say, mm-hmm. this is the ultimate Gendy show. You wanted to see Popeye? You'll see mm-hmm. Popeye in this. You want, you know, as many different projects that he didn't get to make, I feel like they are all within Unicorn Warriors oh. Eternal. It's an absolutely amazing kind of like uh, mm-hmm. steampunk Victorian London mm-hmm. setting. And there are these great fantasy elements. And yeah, I mean, five episodes in and a war- werewolf shows up, Jim, you know, you're in you're you know, you're having fun. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was already on board, but now I'm really on board. <laughs> and now, again, now we enter the I really, really hate Drew portion of the show. So, because you have also managed to see all nine of the shorts for yes. season two yes. of Star Wars Visions? Yes. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, okay. Well, again, I'm I'm not going to make you walk through all nine, but are there any in particular that that leaped out at you that like wow, you know? I mean, because face it, I don't think in the last set season one there was a stinker in the bunch. They all had no. great animation, amazing aesthetics, and really different takes on you know Star Wars storytelling. So forgive me for borrowing from the Disney theme park, but but does the adventure continue? The adventure does continue. I think that you are going to love these. Jim, mm-hmm. I mean, I was blown away. I think my favorite of the bunch might mm-hmm. be Screecher's Reach, which is the cartoon saloon mm-hmm. uh, installment. It has such a powerful emotional ending that is also just a absolute heartbreaking gut punch that I think you are going to love it. Other real standouts are mm-hmm. Journey to the Dark Head, which was a really cool kind of anime-ish one. The Spy Dancer, which is, speaking of Gendy, Studio La mm-hmm. Cachette, which did the animation for Primal and uh, Unicorn Warriors Eternal, did this one, and it is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously, I Am Your Mother, the Ardman one, is yes. really, really fun. It is sort of the least emotional, but it'll still it'll still get you. So many fun Easter eggs. I need to watch that one again. You know, they limit the amount of times you can watch the screeners. So I'm like, oh, boy, do I do I risk it? But um, and and Owl's Song, which is the the final one, which is the Mm. final one for a reason. Mm. Really, really emotional and sweet. And one of two shorts, along with Mm -hmm. In the Stars, Mm -hmm. which is from a where is a, a Chilean studio called Punk Robot. What? Which have they have a stop motion aesthetic? Mm-hmm. Our song is from Triggerfish, which is an Irish slash South South African studio. Um, mm-hmm. They have a stop motion aesthetic without being stop motion, but really beautiful. Our song has kind of a felt, kind of mm-hmm. arts and crafts style. In mm-hmm. the stars is more kind of like claymation, but you know what? There's not a there's not a dud in the bunch on this one too, and even you know. You see something like uh, the Bandits of Glowak, which is an Indian uh, animated mm-hmm. thing, and it's just so interesting. The culture that's reflected in the short, 
the specificity of that and how it relates to the Star Wars universe. It's just really something else. I loved these oh. shorts. I cannot wait to watch them again without my go, email go, go. address taking up 80% of the screen. Um, so well, they want to know who's putting them up on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And just a reminder, folks, these actually drop on May 4th for May the 4th day. Yes, correct. All at once. You don't have to wait. Oh. They will all be. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Now, do we know anything about when Frog and Toad is going to show up over at, at It's at actually Apple showing TV up Plus? this Friday, the Friday after this show oh, is up on okay. April 28th. They, they did a very short window of promotion. The trailer oh. just dropped. And there have been a couple of attempts to animate these over the years, and there are a very distinct style and tone, very gentle, very sweet. So i uh, got to admit, I'm fascinated to see what, what they do here for, for Apple TV+. Plus. But interesting that you bring up short promotional window because every day I, I open my email, I go to the, the entertainment news sites looking for something about Spellbound, which is still supposed to open in 2023, right? Their follow-up to luck? Yes. Yes. Uh, theoretically, yes. Oh. Um, I would okay. say this is probably a Thanksgiving play. Okay. Just because we haven't heard anything, and I feel like that's probably a good oh. release corridor, but you tell me. This is the John Lasseter project where they brought in Alan Menken to do the music, and if it's if what you're saying is true, if we're talking about the Thanksgiving corridor... That's the exact same time Disney drops Wish. Yeah, um, I mean, when it was part of... When Paramount was going to release it, it had a November mm-hmm. 11th release date. And supposedly mm-hmm. when Apple took over that agreement, mm-hmm. they maintained that release date. Now, whether or not that's actually going to happen, it's unclear. But you also remember that last spring it was reported that they had signed a big... Uh, merchandising deal with Spin Master for all this, this is stuff. True. So this is true. That okay, also too. might impact when it's going to be released. If if supply chains and supply chains and things like that are still an issue going okay, forward. And, so and let's not forget, you know, getting these things on store shelves ahead of the holiday season. Yes. Yes. We'll tell you what, folks. We have more Disney esque stuff to discuss in the second half of the show. But before we do that, this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I don't know if we've talked about this yet. You know, the the live-action Little Mermaid for Disney debuts theatrically on May 26th. And uh, we were just talking about Apple Plus's promotional efforts for Spellbound, whereas the the live-action Little Mermaid, I mean, I I don't know if you saw the release that came out just in the past week of the, like, the the four or five different titles that Disney Press is releasing to, to bookstores and the tie-in with, I forget which of the Earth-friendly organizations, they're tying in, you know, keep plastics out of the sea to keep aerials home safe, that sort of thing. So, oh, that's good. 
the effort is definitely underway. But in the middle of all this, did you happen to catch the running time for this Rob Marshall movie? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the reason that, that <laughs> Drew and I are kind of a little concerned is the original Little Mermaid, the, the hand-drawn you know, film for Ron Clements and, and John Musker, came in at 82 minutes, right? I mean, and, and that's with credits? Right. Yeah, I was going to say, if that, yeah. Yeah, but it's fleet. It's funny. It's it's tight. Whereas the live action version, the Rob Marshall film, uh, debuting in just a couple of weeks, that's a hundred and thirty-five minutes long. That's fifty-three minutes long than the film from '89. And I get it that there are some supposedly wonderful, you know, new songs that Mencken has worked with with Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, but 53 minutes of, of new stuff. And I, and I know it's a live action film, so fully 10 minutes of that will be the credits at the end. But are you a little concerned about this length? Or? Yeah, I don't think it's as big of a jump as the Beauty and the Beast animated to the live action. Mm-hmm. I think that was almost twice the length of the mm-hmm. animated one. But mm-hmm. you're right. I think it's an issue. I think... I don't know how they're going to fill that mm. out. Like, what, what is 53 minutes more of that story going to give us? I mm. mean, I just... Yeah, you're right. There's there's two or three new songs. Mm-hmm. One has already been cut, so I don't mm. really know, you know, oh. where that oh. went in. But okay, th- there's a story. <laughs> on the, hang in there, folks. <laughs> that's that's a couple of weeks ahead. Yeah, there. Again, I, I, well, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, later. I mean, okay. I just I don't know. It seems uh, foolish, but who knows? We'll see. It also mm. seems like, as you remember, Jim, Little Mermaid was such a hit, and they were running mm. it all day and all night. Yeah. And seventy six minutes, yeah. you can really pack in the yeah. number of screenings that you can accomplish, and you well, can I, I, do fewer at one thirty five. You are not wrong about this. In fact, again, you know that so many of the exhibitors I've been chatting with out ahead of, of Comic Con are, are are still talking up you know, the fact that Super Mario Brothers, beautiful, tight little movie at like ninety three minutes, and you know that they can definitely get a screening in every two hours. So they love a, a film like that, especially for the family audience. And, and speaking of films for the family audience, we've had some additional news about the casting of the live-action version of uh, Lilo and Stitch, which is supposed to begin filming in June in Hawaii. So what do we think of Courtney Vance for Coral Bubbles? So, well, I think he's good. I think you could have just had Ving Rhames come back. Uh, I think that would have actually been kind of fun. He was clearly modeled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character was modeled on him. He's still yeah. he's still kicking ass, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I feel like he he could have he could have been great. Uh, you're not wrong there, especially when you consider we just had the announcement of Mr. Johnson coming back to play uh, Maui yes. in uh, you know in in the Moana live action thing. So <laughs> why is it that Ving doesn't get to come back? You know. Because don't get me wrong, uh, you know I love Courtney Vance, but I don't think he's gonna quite fill the suit the same way. Yes, that, that, yes. You know, and, and that honestly was half the fun of of that character. You know, just when he stood toe to toe with with Lilo, and it was just sort of like, you know, this big bruising guy and this little girl who really you know took him to task. But 
Speaking of people returning to the project, though, did you see where, it, I, I guess they are, I don't know if they've completed negotiations at this point, but evidently Chris Sanders, uh, the co-director of, of the original Lilo, along with Dean Dubois, uh, he's going to come back and voice Stitch? Yeah, this seemed like kind of a no-brainer to me, but I'm sure they're, they're, they're having to back up the, mm-hmm. the money truck, yeah. considering how Dean left mm-hmm. things with Disney uh, uh, sorry, how Chris left things with Disney um, yeah. with American Dog, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. it's interesting. Okay, and uh, while we're mentioning voice actors, I uh, want to offer our condolences to the friends and family of the late great Australian comedian Barry Humphreys, uh, who passed away uh, just this past weekend uh, at the age of 89. Evidently, uh, there were some complications after a recent hip surgery. But, um, I mean, most folks know Humphreys uh, for his (laughs) Dame Edna Everidge character. If you've ever seen him in his giant purple wig and his rhinestone glasses. And in a weird sort of way, he was kind of a Don Rickles in drag. I mean, he was always, <laughs> frankly, kind of insulting to his audience, but it's such a charming way. But voice acting-wise, most of you probably know Mr. Humphreys from his work in the original Finding Nemo from 2003. He was the, the voice of Bruce the Shark. And speaking of Bruce the Shark, has anybody seen... The revamped version of Finding Nemo, the musical at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I mean, I know they just this past weekend had the big celebration of that park's 25th anniversary, but that show got refreshed and changed a bit within the past year, right? Yeah, I believe the word you're looking for is shortened, hastily shortened, Jim, I think is what the... Well, I have to say, my, one of my favorite numbers out of the show was Fisher Friends, Not Food. And nobody can musicalize that moment from the original Finding Nemo film. And they did. It, it was it was a lot of fun. So uh, can anybody let us know if that number is still in, in the Finding Nemo movie? And, and while we're talking about theme parks and voices, did you see the Jennifer Lewis news about how she's going to come back to voice uh, Mama Odie for Tiana's Bayou Adventure? No, I didn't see that. That's great news. I'm very yeah. nervous about this project. So We finally have a close date on the Disneyland version of, of Splash. That's May 31st. Do you and Katie see yourselves heading back to the park to get in one more ride? Or? No, I think I think we're okay. We were just oh. there for Toontown opening mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think i'm good okay. people that are like falling all over themselves about this ride is pretty funny to me i did get in a ride myself back in march um it was a cold rainy friday night at disneyland and i so there were no lines i mean i literally i i walked at speed through the entire queue and immediately got on uh, the log there was nobody in front of me and a lot of the lights weren't working. Uh, a lot of the animatronics were broken. I mean, they're putting no money into this thing prior to close. So in a weird sort of way, Drew, you made the right choice. From what I understand, initially mm-hmm. there were there was going to be an attempt to save some of those animatronics, but now what I have heard, and you can confirm or deny this, Jim, but that mm-hmm. they are all basically being replaced with electric 
I've heard the exact same thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I, just from a maintenance point of view, I mean, face it, it seems kind of counterintuitive to put electrical figures in a water-based attraction. But right. Uh, from from a maintenance point of view, from a reliability, from a performance point of view, evidently it's the way to go. So yeah, all of those. Mark Davis designed figures that that got repurposed by Tony Baxter for Splash, the ones that were hauled out of America Sings. I'm hoping some of them end up in a warehouse. I guess somebody needs to reach out to Becky Klein and find out, you know, if they're clear in space. But, you know, what you're hearing is what I've heard. Wow. Okay. Okay. One other thing. Just want to remind folks, again, uh, the show goes live on Tuesday, April 25th, which gives you two more chances to catch the movie version of Spirit Away live on stage. It's going to be running in theaters here in the U.S. two more times on April 27th, uh, which, of course, now Drew can't go to because he's going to be at the Dale Cap. But May 2nd, there's also one last screening. So Nancy and I are going to get out either the 27th or May 2nd. But anyway, to pivot to uh, what we teased uh, as we when we went to break here and uh, about Chris Meliandri, you know why he's being honored for excellence in animation. Did you see the story last week about how much Disney actually lost on Strange World? Yes, I did. Yeah, I, I've also heard that that number that was published was low. Oh. <laughs> But see, now, this is the thing that are the Illumination films high art. One could could argue that some of the stuff that Pixar has certainly done, you know, since the first Toy Story came out in 1995, there are films that they have done there that I would consider high art. In fact, uh, when we were talking earlier today about Soul and how it showed up on, on Disney Plus rather than getting a theatrical release, there's still a part of me that... I'm hoping at some point I get the opportunity to see that thing on a big screen. Because I, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was, it was a delightful film, but I still felt cheated. I, I felt like if I had seen those images on a giant screen, it would have had so much more of an impact. The story would have landed stronger. Yeah. I feel very lucky to have seen Luca and Turning Red oh. in a theater. Oh. You're killing me. Yeah. All right. But I will fight tooth and nail with folks in regard to the first Despicable Me, which I think it is the very best film that Illuminations has done. I mean, it just between the character design and the story and the emotional component and and the fun of Steve Carell's voice performances grew and, and the minions. I mean, that was a genuinely I, I mean, it was a great cheeseburger of a movie. I don't necessarily feel like each of the Despicable Me movies or the Minions spinoffs that have come since are quite as strong as that one. When you look at what it costs to produce those movies and how much money they have since made and how well they're marketed and the merch, I mean, they've really got it going over there. Whereas uh, I still think Buzz Lightyear, or excuse me, Lightyear is a great film and it's, and by the way, what have you? What do you think of, of what Pete Doctor has been doing lately about trying to position, position why that didn't land last summer? Well, I mean, he positioned it to me. So mm. uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, that Doctor's explanation was that they overestimated the audience. I think the marketing mm-hmm. failed that movie completely. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's a better movie than Strange World, and I think Strange World was marketed just as poorly. Hindsight is twenty twenty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that everybody at the studio at Pixar and at Disney really believed in in Lightyear as they believed in in Strange World, and it just didn't didn't happen for whatever reason. But mm. I mean, yeah. the Illumination model, though, Jim, is very specific. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the usually budgets are below seventy five. There we go. Mm-hmm. And it is in a foreign country <laughs> with maybe mm-hmm. looser mm-hmm. looser uh, obligations um, mm-hmm. to, you know, certain standards of things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think they have an interesting process. I've heard that, that scenes are, like, boarded and reboarded by different artists um, and, mm-hmm. and a kind of, like, to see which one will, will be best. But I think that also kind of gives it a Frankenstonian feeling because it's like taking elements from different people's boards and putting them into Mm -hmm. one sequence. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that Illumination, you're right. They have a great business model and they have a great, you know, track record. And, and when a movie costs $75 million, it doesn't really need to be the biggest box office hit in the world, especially with all the promotional tie-ins. But yeah. They just so happen that they are sometimes the biggest box office yeah. hits in the world, which which is what we're seeing with Super Mario. There we go. There so, we go. yeah, it's interesting. And, and you saw the trailer for Migration, which was like 80% just clips from other yeah. Illumination movies. That trailer, uh, you know, it, it was, wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, I got to see that. If anything, it kind of reminded me of the story that, uh, oh, what was the name of... The Mark Davis movie that they didn't make. Uh, oh, Chanticleer, Chanticleer. You know that the, the remember how you know the famous story of they gathered all the boards in the room with the concept art, and they brought in Walt, and they told them the whole story of, of what Chanticleer was going to be, and somebody chimed in that you can't build a movie around the chicken. Chickens aren't likable. Chickens aren't heroic, and it just sort of like. I was looking at the, the ducks that, that that have been designed for this thing, and it's just sort of like, I I don't know if this is going to be something. I you know, Nancy, get in the car. We're going to go see Migration. You know, can't wait to see this. Right, but that has the most in- interesting artistic team because it's the filmmaker behind uh, Ernest mm-hmm. and Celestine, and it was written by Mike White. So mm-hmm. that is what's keeping me positive, Jim. Okay, ducks or I, no I, ducks. You know? I, I want. I genuinely want it to work. Uh, but again, the thing about a trailer like that, where you're you, you sell everything that you've made previous, and and we also have this, you know, which is coming from the same people. It's like I mean, I I get it as a, an early marketing campaign, especially if you you don't have a lot of stuff to work from. Oddly enough, what it reminded me of was, do you remember the first trailer for John Carter? Uh, how could I forget? <laughs> Well, then again, you wrote that wonderful history of, of the film. But but face it, there was that famous story about how Andrew Stanton, because he had never directed a live action or face it, a live action big budget film before. For example, a Spielberg knows when he's making a movie like this that you have to schedule the film in such a way that you have shots to cut into the trailer, that you have material I think, isn't it your article that talks about how Andrew wanted to sort of ease into it? So he was shooting simpler scenes up front. And, right. But then, then when it came time to shoot the trailer, it's like, I got pictures of a camera going over a river. What do you got? <laughs> you know, it's like. 
Oh, God. Uh, well, I, again, look, long story short, the, the, yes, you put your movie out in theaters, and yes, it, it does the business it does that weekend. But I was just reading uh, Steve Martin's Number One Walking, and he, would, he talks in that book about he's made about 40 movies. And he says about five of them are really good. But see, the weird part is you don't know it's a really good movie till 10 years later. You have to get past how did it do in theaters and what did it do at the box office. And it, it's only 10 years later when it's showing up on television where, you know, uh, and people have watched it in their homes where you know, the court of public opinion settles in. And and that's the thing, with I, I think, with Lightyear. I think over time people are going to find that movie and go, oh, that's a great film. And, and if anything, they're going to be, start talking about that post-credit scene about, okay, when are you going to pay that off? It's like, well, when is the film going to pay off? Right, you know, right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But maybe you're right. You know, given the people who are behind migration, maybe I should just shut up till we see the next trailer. But anyway, kudos to Chris for his Excellence in Animation uh, Award at, at this year's CinemaCon. Deserve it, I believe, you know, especially given... The discipline, the very thing you were talking about there, that, that they managed to deliver films that are this successful at that price point, that in and of itself is why a lot of people, particularly in this industry, look over their shoulders. At, well, how do they do that? You know, how, how can they deliver films that do that well for that price point? So, And he was, he was a key figure in, in Blue Sky's ascent. All tr- also true. So... That is also an interesting part of his story that I'm sure will be brought up in the uh, awards ceremony. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Well, anyway, again, Mr. Taylor and Mr. Hood are headed to CinemaCon this Thursday so they can attend the Paramount presentation so they can learn more about Mission Impossible (laughs) Dead Reckoning Part 1. Which undoubtedly, again, it's it's got a July release date, right? They'll make it, Jim. They'll make it. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know why you're second guessing. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> Just uh, talking up the fact that you know you, you know you're not probably going to be able to to get a too in depth about uh, Dead Reckoning Part One just yet. So no. So what's so what's going on this week? Over well, this week we're going to record an episode like right away. That's the other kind of. You know, spoiler is that we are trying to record an episode and get it up that night. So, yeah, we will see if that happens. We've, we've been oh. successful in the past, but also in the past, I haven't been under the time constraints of going to a big Hollywood <laughs> premiere on the same night. So, oh, so, so what? You're going to record this in the car? We're, we're going to hear that you guys is, go that through is the. one of the thoughts. Yeah, yeah. We, wow. We'll have our microphones. Oh, yeah. I. I would pay good money to hear that, if just for the drive-through moment at In and Out alone, you know. So, uh, but oh no, no, cannot yeah. wait for, for this show. Yes. All right. And speaking of other stuff, I enjoy, uh, and the the list of things I enjoy on Twitter are, are getting shorter and shorter every day. But but among them is is you know Drew's post on social media. Uh, can you tell the nice folks where they can find you on social media? Sure, Drew Tailored on Twitter, no longer blue checkmarked, sadly. Um, and uh, on Instagram, same same name. So if you want to follow me, there you go. Okay. Uh, social media wise, you can find me on Twitter while it's still there. Uh, also on Instagram is Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as uh, Jim Hill Media News. If you could head over to Apple Podcast and rate and review, uh, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, fine tuning, but likewise, light the fuse. 
that would be helpful. Uh, and if you really like what you heard here today, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be cool. Also, I want to remind you a couple other podcasts we got here. Uh, Disney-ish with Luntesta. Marvelous Disney. I, I do with Aaron Adams, a gentleman who edits uh, all the podcasts here. Who, by the way, has a show of his own worth checking out, 32nd Street. And uh, then looking at Lucasfilm, which uh, Brian Gone and I, 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 apologies, I'm, I'm behind the eight ball on that show. I got to get one written in out the door. That's not Brian's fault. That's mine. And I think that's going to do it for this week. So we'll let Mr. Taylor go because he, he's got to get packing. And, uh, you know, in theory, if he makes it back from Vegas, uh, we'll do another show next week and uh, hopefully have more news to share. But till then, uh, thanks for listening.